Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Tim. And I'm Nick. Today we're going to do an update for the Summer Movie Wager. As always, we're going to talk about some feedback. Spoiler alert, none of us got the question right uh, last week from you, so he followed up. We're going to do another round of From Albums to Cinema, which was brought to us by my brother back when I was in Japan. And then finally, we're going to do a review of Charlie McDowell's The One I Love. Uh, before we get to all that, MidwestFilmNerds.com has our previous 91 episodes, plus some bonus episodes and some good articles that we've written. So go check that out. We also have full show notes for every episode on the website as well. You can write to us feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com if you want us to talk about something that you've thought about or if you want to tell us how we're doing, any of that good stuff. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MFN Podcast, and you can find us on Facebook, Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. And finally, give us a call at 248-7335-MFN, which is 248-7335-636. So, on to the Summer Movie Wager update. Guardians has another week at number one. It got to number one with $10 million Ooh, domestically. Nice. So... I think August was August was good. Like August got a really good month for for box office. It yeah. hit like a billion with like between Guardians and uh, Ninja Turtles. Oh, Ninja Turtles made quite a bit, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it's but now September's seeming a little weird. I don't even know what's coming out next week because what think, came out this week? Nothing, as okay. far as I remember. They've I don't know. St- they've stopped releasing movies. Yeah, movies are done. Some movie with a four percent on RT starring Ray Liotta. <laughs> that came out. Why are we not doing that? Um, so, um, Guardians was number one, followed by Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and number two with six point five million dollars. And Let's Be Cops was in third with five point six million dollars. Uh, number one, Transformers, of course, with one billion seventy-seven million dollars. Uh, Maleficent. <laughs> Maleficent's at number two with 753.8 million. X-Men Days of Future Past at number three with 745.8 million. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 sits solidly at number four with 708.3 million dollars. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is at number five with 641.7 million dollars. How to Train Your Dragon 2 is at 605.4 million dollars. That's number six. Number seven is Guardians of the Galaxy with 587.1 million dollars. Godzilla 2014 with $525 million at number 8. Number 9 is Edge of Tomorrow at $369.2 million. And finally, 22 Jump Street still holds on to number 10 with $319.6 million. My guess is, yeah. for our final top 10, I think Guardians is going to overtake How to, Tra- How to Train Your Dragon because it's going to be released in Japan in the middle of the month. Oh, is it? Okay. And it's going to get those numbers. And then I think... Turtles is going to take number ten from Twenty Two Jump Street because it's at like three hundred million. Okay. So what about X? What came out first, X Men or Maleficent? Because those are pretty close too, aren't they? I think Maleficent came out first, and I don't think its box office changed. So there's a chance. You're right. That's real close. That's about eight million. Maybe. Yeah. So there's a there's a good chance that X Men could could take the uh, take the top there. All right, we'll see. You could be very right. That's very possible. I didn't think about that one at all. Anyway, uh, like I said, we're kind of just in the waiting month to let the August movies make some money, and uh, we will have the final, uh, the final episode of September. We'll have the uh, the final count and who wins the great spoils of the Midwest Film News Podcast Summer Movie Wager. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to check the calendar real quick. Oh, October 1st. The October 1st episode will have our results. Okay. I just gave myself <clears throat> a, a timeline to do that on. So expect that soon. Um, so on to our feedback. Listener Yoop chiming in with uh, some, some feedback. Hey, guys. Great re- review of Richard Linklater's Boyhood. Um, like you, I really like this movie. Everything feels realistic, and it made me curious to watch the Before Trilogy. Yes, we've done good. <laughs> I still haven't seen the last. You oh, should. Yeah, it's I need great. To. It's fantastic. In regards to movie trivia tackle, the correct answer of the trivia was not given. I will give two more hints before I reveal the answer. So, those who may recall, the first answer, the first uh, uh, hint that you gave us was that. James Cameron was up for director of this movie, but he had to pass because he was making Terminator 2. So he adds two more onto it. He says, Bruce Willis auditioned for a role in this movie. 
And then the second hint is that the movie was released in 1991, the same year as Terminator 2. He finishes up by saying, thanks for making fun of Transformers 4 again, and keep up the good work. You're welcome. I didn't do it, but... No, but... <laughs> I did it in spirit. Tim, Tim speaks for the podcast. Yeah. Any, any ideas? 91, Cameron almost directed, Bruce Willis auditioned. Auditioned. We still don't have anybody that actually stars in the movie, but we do have a release date. 91. And it's a Cameron-type movie. I don't know. Well, the one I was thinking of was an Arnold one, so that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because he'd be busy with Terminator as well. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. What came out in 91? I don't know. Okay. That's the thing. I mean, we can look it up. You know what? I'm going to look up movies from 1991. This will be, be good. Um, we'll just run through Just start the naming them off. Yeah. Gonna go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia. It feels like yeah. cheating. <laughs> well, we are cheating at this point. Yeah, this doesn't feel like it. Nobody's gonna win this point. We're flat it, it was out between Willie and I anyway, so Unless I guess this will be good. This will be a nice trip down memory lane for the listeners. Well, we can go over the top ten here. Highest yeah, grossing films of ninety one, Terminator Two Judgment Day. Okay. Number one. Number two, Robin Hood, Prince of of Thieves. Mm-hmm. Number three is Beauty and the Beast. No, I don't think that was a number four is Hook. I don't think Bruce Willis would be going for Hook. But Silence of the Lambs, number five. Number six is JFK. Number seven is The Addams Family. Number eight is Cape Fear. Number nine is Hot Shots. And number ten is City Slickers. City Slickers. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, if I, I could seriously just go through all the movies here... Out of those? I don't think it's any of them. What was number two again? Number two was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. That was the one I was going to go with. You think it could be Prince of Thieves? Uh, that was the one out of those ten I was going to go with. That would be what I got. My heart says that I want it to be Hot Shots. <laughs> so I want everything to be Hot Shots. But I don't know. I don't really see James Cameron doing Robin Hood. You know? That's why I didn't do it. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Touche, Tim. Touche. He didn't was it, see it either. Was it Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze? Why would Bruce Willis play in that? Super Shredder? <laughs> uh, yes. The, the bummer is I can I can see a lot of different... A lot of these being potentials that, that Cameron would be... You know what? I think it was Jungle Fever. <laughs> <laughs> the Spike Lee joint. Could have almost been a James Cameron can joint. Can you imagine? Oh, <laughs> Can you imagine James Cameron's Jungle Fever? Ooh. Well, that was kind of Avatar, though, right? That's true. Point Break. Ooh. Mm. Now, would Willis at that time play the Busey role? I don't know. Or would he play the Swayze role? Why did I forget Swayze was in the movie? I don't know, He man. would play the Swayze role. I could see that possibly being it. I think that could be it. And you know what? No, that makes sense because Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron... Were thing? <laughs> or, yeah. Same I can't She's Cameron White Prime, isn't she? No. No. That's. She's Beta. Is that Gail Ann Hurd? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, Cameron White Double Prime. That's Maybe. it. That's it. That's technically. You think. It's you Point think, Break. Point Break? Alright, Point Break. I'm sad that I, I. It's not like I have an extensive knowledge of Point Break, but it does have a special place in my heart. What were the top 10 again that year? Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Beauty and the Beast, Hook, The Silence of the Lambs, JFK, The Adams Family, Cape Fear, Hot Shots, and City Slickers. Gosh, I don't know. Man, worldwide gross, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, $519 million. In 1991 money, that's like $519 million. (laughs) It's a little more than that. Anyway, you've let us know. I think Point Break. 1991, yeah. Point Break makes a lot of sense. I think it's Tim connected the dots. Yeah. I think that's probably got to be it. Okay. That's what I'm sticking with. I'm going Point Break. That seems like such a bizarre... It's awesome, though. (laughs) I mean, also, it seems like a movie Cameron wouldn't do. So it's a... I don't know. I mean, I think... (laughs) Maybe he wasn't attached to it with Keanu Reeves. (laughs) But... Well, we'll find out. Yeah, we will find out. No, it's... Uh, oh. Oh. 
But what was Cam? I'm looking at the IMDb trivia right now. Four point break. Number two here says, James Cameron confessed at the end of his Terminator 2 commentary that Bodhi killed himself at the end of Point Break. Ah. Uh, okay. Uh, why else would James Cameron be a, Well, authority? what did Cameron... What had he done at that point? Terminator? Terminator, Terminator 2. In the Abyss? Aliens. Oh, there's another connection, though. Water. The Abyss. <laughs> right. Officially uncredited because of an unresolved <laughs> issue with the Writers Guild of America, James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow rewrote the final script together. Hmm. I, I, it might have been. This, I, I think this is it. I think this is probably it. Yep. Beautiful. Well, I'm going to hold out in my heart that it was Hook and Bruce Willis wanted to play Hook. Okay. <laughs> 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 I, yeah, I, I don't know. All right. Anyway, <laughs> please write in feedback at madrisfilmnerds.com. Looking forward to hearing the final answer, you. Um, so, on to from albums to cinema. So this is something that uh, John John thought of. Yes. And you guys did while I was gone. And I think Nick and I both listened to it and were like, that'd be pretty cool to do. Um, unfortunately, I don't feel like I thought mine out well enough. But I don't think I'm going to find anything that I can... Sorry, I did a half-released... Or a half-made album that was never released. So I don't <laughs> think we need to... <laughs> well, it was still pretty sweet. But anyway, what we do is we take an album that we love... Or hate, as Willie said last time. And um, we make a movie out of it. Just kind of take whatever we can from it and, and, and make some sort of cinematic idea from it, however that takes form. Right. So, uh, Tim, I think I'm going to start with you. You're going to have me go first? Yeah. Okay. What album would you bring to well, cinema? I did five albums. All right. All right. I'll, a little backstory real quick. You're doing all of them together. Yeah, because I've broken these five albums down into three acts. Okay, and I'm gonna, that's beautiful. I'm going to go into sounds, it. Sounds fantastic. One, I think I've said this on the podcast, but one of my biggest like movie disappointments was Idlewild, the Outcast movie. Uh, because I was uh, really excited because they had just come out with their double album that won like the Grammy that year. And I'm a huge fan, and I was really excited. I'm like, they can make like a Purple Rain type, like a big epic <laughs> like music like m- musical, basically. <laughs> but performance musical, you know? Yeah. And... Um, the album came out and it wasn't very good, and so that kind of dampered it. And then the movie came out and like I forgot to go see it because yeah. like none of the reviews were yeah. any good on it. And then I actually ended up watching it, and it's it's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but yeah. it's, there's like no, it's really half-assed. Yeah. Um. So I was always super bummed, and then I went and saw Outcast and Concert this summer, and they were totally awesome and um, totally awesome. What a 1991 for you. <laughs> and. <laughs> they uh, it was basically just a greatest hit show. They That's just came awesome. out like they did no. They just it was basically a victory lap of sorts. <laughs> they, and it was just cool to see two guys who were like, you know, we did what we did, and we're totally fine with that. We're not going to do anything else. We're just going to do the stuff we did, and like we're totally comfortable with it. Cool. So I thought like, let's. I'm going to make a movie mm-hmm. like chronicling their whole career. So it's going to start real quick, and I'll I'll run through it real quick. The the first act would be their first album, which is Southern Playlistic Catholic Music. God, I sound so white when I say that. <laughs> but, uh, Southern Playlistic, because basically the album is like a coming-of-age album. It's all about growing up in the urban South. It's all about growing up in Atlanta. Okay. So that would be kind of the first act. And then you would get into the second, and you you take songs from that album. Yep. And put them in into big musical performance. Forgot to add that I thought a director before this, which mm. would be Craig Brewer, who did the Footloose remake and Hustle and Flow. Because he'd be super perfect for this. Beautiful choice. And then we get into their next three albums for Act 2, which would be Italians, Equemini, and Stankonia. So these three, this is when they start to get weirder. And yeah. like the second act, is, it starts off just being like, like a sci-fi fantasy. Because that's what the first, Italians and Equemini are all about, like astrology and like <laughs> extraterrestrial life. Yeah. And so these would be kind of like fantasy musical sequences. Okay. And it'd be... It'd be really cool. And then by the time we get to the Stankonia songs, like, they've already become so big. Like, they're too funky for the United States. They've created their own country of Stankonia. <laughs> and they moved to it. And, like, that's when we get those. Because that's when, like, Miss Jackson, that's when their biggest hits came around, which were, like, Miss Jackson and Bombs Over Baghdad mm-hmm. and So Fresh, So Clean. And so that's when, like, they start to get big. And then Act 3 leads into when they did their double album, when they kind of split off mm-hmm. to both record. Separate the albums, like below. yep. So once Stankonia is so big, like they're they're done with each other. They can't be around each other. Mm. So as we go into Act Three, they've split, and 
Do they have their own competing clubs across the street in Stankonia? Oh, I didn't even think of that. That's so good. <laughs> uh, I should have thought that out more. <laughs> so, yeah, they do. And they're named after their, their albums. Yep, yep. And um, so basically they split up and then they come together in the final act for kind of like the end of Purple Rain where the, he does Purple Rain and Baby I'm a Star. Yeah. Like to close it out. I think they're going to go with Bombs Over Baghdad and the whole world to kind of close it out as, cause, like, as their big like reunited that's beautiful. Performance at a club. They're gonna go back to. They're gonna go back to Atlanta at the end. They're gonna go back to like some dingy club in Atlanta and just tear it, tear it down. Nice. Yeah, and then blow it up. So that would be what I would do. Beautifully done, sir. Thank you. That was fantastic. Thanks. I'm really glad you have handwritten notes. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you did at work. <laughs> That's I'm, what these segments are. I'm even more happy that you hit it like under the table from us on your lap <laughs> as you were reading it, so you, we couldn't like sneak a peek and. Ruin anything for ourselves? <laughs> Those are all correctly spelled album titles, too, and they're not... Good. They're not words. Uh, no. Good work. <laughs> all right, Nick. Um, I guess I have two uh, that are both kind of half-baked. One is a little more fully realized than the other, and it was the first thing I thought of when I, when I first heard the segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would adapt uh, Queens of the Stone... <laughs> sorry. Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. Mm. Which is always one of the albums I think of when people say, oh, what's like an album that you can listen to from start to finish without skipping anything? Yeah. And that's always the first one I think of because it's so awesome from start to finish and it's so different from everything else and a lot of the songs are really different from each other. But there's kind of the through line of, have you guys listened to it? Yes. Like all the way yeah. through? Mm-hmm. You know there's the radio stations that keep tuning in, mm-hmm. like all the weird different... Anyway, so <laughs> my movie would be this like post-apocalyptic kind of movie where the, the <laughs> everything's a little like Book of Eli-ish, but there's like still big metropolitan cities like rising up throughout like the desert landscape, okay. kind of like uh, Wizard of Oz, okay. except way scarier <laughs> and like kind of dystopian. And I think I would cast either, I could, I, I was thinking two different ways. I was thinking either like a very kind of stereotypical like guy who would play like a cool kind of outlaw like kind of hard, hard-edged guy, like an Aaron Eckhart type, because okay. he kind of needs something to to bring him back into relevance. And I'm a huge fan. But then I also thought it'd be interesting to cast a guy who's a little bit younger and still sort of up and coming. E. And so I thought like Scoot McNary would be kind of neat mm. as just a guy in like a duster with a pair of headphones and a little FM tuner, and he's just wandering through this landscape, uh, following these transmissions. That and as he gets closer to one radio station, he can tune in, and there's like he's on like some sort of weird scavenger hunt to like try to find something so it's kind of a weird like quest movie like road movie rolled into uh post-apocalyptic horror survival (laughs) like the bandits and people keep attacking him and uh obviously i haven't thought it through all the way till the end but like the the way the songs go i mean obviously the movie would start with him with some kind of action sequence because the album kicks off with a really intense uh song and then no one knows would kind of be him like trying to get information about where he needs to go because his quest just kind of started right in the middle of the album you get uh, Song for the Dead, Sky is Falling, Six Shooter, and Hanging Tree, which are all kind of violent and like intense. And even Six Shooter, I mean, obviously revolves around the idea of shooting. So you'd have like some kind of uh, like kidnap and then like escape, like jailbreak mm-hmm. type thing. Like someone's going to try to hang him like during Hanging Tree, and he somehow gets out of it, like Good, the Bad, and the Ugly style. And uh, Go with the Flow is him getting back on the road after that. Nice. And it all it all kind of. Gets gets the album gets a lot weirder from that point on. So the big one would be God is in the radio when he realizes like the source of transmission is like it's not different radio stations he's picking up as he gets closer. It's all coming from one place, like mm-hmm. one big megapolis tower in the middle. And I don't know how it would end. <laughs> he would somehow he would wind <laughs> up there. And uh, Song for the Deaf is really creepy. Like it's a really really. Is, Song for the, is that the one that's? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I, that was awful. It, it's, <laughs> but it's the it's the acoustic one at the end. It right? starts no 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 no. What one am I thinking? That's of? mosquito song. Probably, mosquito which song is kind yeah. of a bonus track, so That's I don't right. know if okay. I would include it or not. Okay, um, it's my song, song for the deaf is the one that starts with the woman's voice, the real like deep throaty voice. Okay, and uh, it's really eerie, and it's what you hear at the beginning. And in the beginning, uh, DJ when he's tuning, you hear a little excerpt from Song for the Deaf playing, mm-hmm. so it could kind of come like full circley. And uh, I'm not sure what exactly would happen in the ending, but it, it would probably be kind of creepy because right. the, the last song is kind of creepy. Um, but I totally want to like flesh it out more, and then if we ever do this segment again, I'll briefly say where it wound up, <laughs> 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 how 
how it ends. That would be pretty good. Uh, my other idea, I don't know where on earth this came from, but I okay, I can't pick down, uh, peg down a specific Bowie album. So I'm kind of thinking either I'll just like. I would end up picking like random songs to kind of, or maybe just do like his greatest hits or something. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of Mama Mia, but David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it would it would follow the adventures of a, a spacefaring uh, truck driver, essentially a guy who is flying cargo from planet to planet, system to system, played by Clive Owen, <laughs> who is really doing it because he's pursuing his long lost love, and the only way he can like visit all the worlds and still make a living is by being a truck driver. And so in between, he's, like, you know, going to dingy bars and, like, betting weird alien women and, like, smoking a lot and, like, thinking about all of his mistakes. <laughs> it's, like, super, super moody, but set to, like, all these spacey Bowie songs that vary in, like, intensity from, like, heavier stuff, like Ashes to Ashes, where he's thinking about, like, his past. And uh, then some more upbeat stuff, like Sound and Vision, when he's, like, on the road and experiencing space and that kind of thing. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> five years would totally be in there as he's recounting when he left Earth kind of thing. And I, I don't know if it would even take place in the future where interstellar travel is possible from Earthlings. I kind of like the idea of it's, like, 1976, and he just, like, somehow gets a garbage truck that flies into space. And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But I think I want Clive Owen to be that guy, and I kind of want like Jessica Chastain to be the woman he's chasing, because I could see her blending in in space, kind of. She's kind of got this weird, exotic, yet somewhat girl-next-door-y thing going on, so uh, really enjoy that idea. Okay. And I definitely want to see where that one goes this in my is, imagination. This is named Ziggy Stardust. You know, I thought about just doing Ziggy Stardust from start to yeah. finish, and like actually, there's a lot of albums that the story's already kind of written itself. Yep. Like, I thought about Kavinsky's album, Outrun, which is just, like, the, all this electronica stuff. And he kind of has a story already in the album. Yeah. So it'd be kind of cool to adapt that. And then uh, there was another one, too, that I really wanted to make a film noir set to, like, only Leonard Cohen music. Yeah. That was my original Aaron Eckhart vehicle. But then I couldn't develop that one anymore. So <laughs> but there was, another, there was another album I totally forgot where the, the story's already there. There were, yeah, there were a few. I tried not to pick those ones because I felt like it would be too easy, but I probably should have just gone for it because then I'd actually have a full idea to talk about. Like, oh, I want Duncan Jones to direct my Bowie, uh, Clive so. Owen movie. So. <laughs> See if he'll do it justice, <laughs> which he should. Because um, I would want to do, like one, of, like, one of the albums that I can listen to straight from start to finish the whole way through and not skip anything is The Everglow by May. But it's already very much... Like, they, the whole, it's got a prologue and an epilogue that kind of, like, are telling you that you're going on a journey, and you're supposed to read through the book as you listen listen to the song. So I was like, I don't really want to pick something like that, because I felt like it would be a little bit too easy, but... So my first idea was Purple Rain by Prince. I'd really like to make it into a movie. <laughs> uh, that's all I got. And then, that's a great idea. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and I think it should star Peter Frampton and the Bee Gees. <laughs> Whoever can take that one oh, and this, just let it go. Yeah, well, Revolutionary. Yeah, I think yeah. this is going to yeah. print money. Yeah, I uh, mean, you know, I'm surprised nobody's done it. <laughs> People are going to love this. <laughs> the only other one that I kind of half thought about was maybe Third Eye Blind's first album, but I was like, I don't know, it's just about some dude that likes to do drugs and bang women, so that's not like... It's not bad. <laughs> So I settled on I settled up on, I settled on uh, "Ganging Up on the Sun" by by Guster, which is one of also one of my very favorite albums, and it's got very much coming of age vibe to it, which is interesting because this is like their like fifth or sixth album, and they're all a bunch of dudes in their like thirties and forties with families, so it's kind of weird that they captured the coming of age. And my idea for that was that maybe it's more of like a delayed coming-of-age movie. Maybe it's about a guy who had to grow up way too quickly because, like, maybe his parents got divorced or some one of his parents died and he had to, like, raise his little brother and, like, he just needed to, like, skip all of the high school stuff and just get straight to it. And part of that was... Uh, so I'll say my, my kind of directory vibe, I was getting, like, a really, like... Elizabeth Town kind of vibe out of the premise that I had thought of, so I was thinking maybe Cameron Crowe or like somebody, somebody Cameron Crowe esque, somebody of that vein would be really good. And in terms of like who would be in it, I don't really have fully fleshed out characters, but I feel like main person, I don't know. I think it, it could, like you could go, because it's me, it would be boring white dude probably, so it's gonna be like Chris Pratt and like maybe his little brother that he had to raise was like Garrett Hedlund or something like that. And I like Anna Kendrick a lot, so let's put her in the movie too. But basically, like a lot of the songs on the um, 
And part of the reason that I picked it was that one of the like the opening track, they're always really, really good at picking opening tracks. And I feel like it would it's one of the like the opening the, the scene set to the opening track would actually be somewhere in the center of the storyline. And you would like go back and start leading back up to it and maybe like start out in the childhood that kind of ends too abruptly. Where he's kind of like still in high school, like maybe things happen in high school that make him grow up too quickly because there's a song called One Man Wrecking Machine, which is kind of this dude looking back, like the singer's actual like intentions with the song was like, what if I had the confidence that I do as a 30 year old if I was in high school, like how would that have completely changed everything that has come before this? So I found, I found like that was interesting and I was I was having a really hard time. I was like, maybe this album could be maybe I could split it up into three different like vignettes about three people going through the same journey at different times in life. Like maybe there's the kid who's going through it when you would normally go through your coming of age, and then there's somebody who's like a little bit older and like had to grow up too quickly, and then maybe there's a third that would be like a different scenario. But that's kind of where I fell on it. And I and then I was like, maybe there should be like somebody's going into the army. Because there's a song called The Captain that's really short and it's really upbeat, but the whole, the song is very much about, like, do your purpose that you've signed on to do at this point, and that's kind of what it evolved for me. But I don't know, this isn't, I'm just kind of rambling at this point, but I really love the album. Everybody should give it a listen. Think of a better movie idea than me. <laughs> if you want to take part in this segment, please write in. No, do this. I was. Com. Yeah, this is a fun exercise. Yeah, it's it's very cool. It's very interesting. And maybe don't don't limit yourself to things that like because I know there's like I could have talked about like a coheed album and all those technically have storylines even though they're really stupidly convoluted and not worth even right. looking at anymore. But <laughs> that would have been cool, and like the May album would have been cool, and it's just. It's probably a lot easier to take an album and just kind of weave it together. Or I think I like what Willie and you did this time, Tim, in terms of like taking a discography and kind of putting it together in like like a flow, just to kind of like chart that journey. So that was interesting too. But I saw Spice World in a theater too. I wanted to bring that. Up. <laughs> That's good. I want to like I like to use this as a confessional. Oh, okay. The podcast. I, I, Tim, did you uh, would you cast the members of Outcast as yeah. themselves? Yeah. Um, well, they've both done acting. Yeah. Um, Andre has been in quite a bit of things. And I know Big Boy, he was in Who's Your Caddy, which was on the shelf at the video store. I didn't see. Um, <laughs> Andre's going to be Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Jimi Hendrix. I was just curious to know if you would come up with other people to play them. No, I didn't be... even... That was the other thing. I didn't come up with any characters. Yeah. But I think no. Rosario Dawson might be on one of the Outcast albums. So she would be in it, too. entirely possible. Yeah, she would be in it. Is Dracula's Wedding in your movie? Because I think it should be. Sure. It is now. <laughs> for you. I'll delete the scene. It's, it's one of my favorite outcast yeah. songs for yeah. some reason. I don't even really know why. <laughs> but. Okay, so I think that about sums up that. If you guys want to write in with your ideas, I think it'd be pretty cool to, to hear some yeah. of those. So uh, We'll move into our review of The One I Love, which was directed by Charlie McDowell. Which, as I told Nick and Willie last week, Charlie McDowell is Malcolm McDowell and Mary Steenburgen's son uh, from their marriage that ended a while ago. Because Mary Steenburgen is currently married to Ted Danson, who's in this movie with Mark Duplass and Elizabeth Moss. Wow. So you have all of that. Um, the IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you have, all, <laughs> you have all of the necessary information. Um, seriously, I'm not even like I'm, I'll, I'll read I'll read the synopsis, but I'm just gonna say this. Um, we're going to do ten minutes non spoilers, and then the rest will be spoilery. And honestly, you should just stop listening right now and go watch the movie because I think you should go into it completely blind. Just go check it out. Don't watch any trailers. Don't look at any scenes. Just go check it out. It'd be very. It's. It's. I think that's the best way to go into it. But if you're gonna stick around and want to hear a little bit of something. Uh, the IMDb synopsis is struggling with a marriage on the brink of falling apart. A couple escapes for a weekend in pursuit of their better selves, only to discover an unusual dilemma that awaits them. So, uh, this is on. You can go and rent this on Amazon and iTunes and Vudu and all that good stuff. Um, I caught wind of it on Twitter from Mark Duplass actually, and I think I. I heard something about it a while back, but I didn't really, you know, pay any attention to it as it was going on. But I saw this movie and I loved it a lot. 
And I think everybody should watch it if that's not already apparent. But what did you guys think of this movie? Nick? Uh, I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. I thought it was okay. Is that all I'm allowed to say? You can say more. Just try not to give anything too big away. Uh, I think the I think the the two principals are very good, uh, especially Mark Duplass. Mm-hmm. He deserves a lot of credit uh, for his performance in this movie. Um, <laughs> there's not really anything else I can say. Yeah, it's hard without without giving away anything about it, and obviously us just. Tiptoeing around it, there's obviously some twist in this movie that's really interesting. So yeah, but um, and so we can just say as much as you think you can, and then if we end a little bit earlier, uh, I don't, about. I don't like, I didn't like a lot of the writing. I didn't like where the story went a lot of the time. Uh, I didn't like the lack of resolution in a lot of ways. Um, It's it's oh it's just kind of okay across the board. Like okay. I think it's very okay. I think it's a, there's a lot of brilliant stuff in there that that could that maybe didn't live up to its fullest potential, and it's a shame I think because it, for for me anyway because I think that there was a really amazing movie nestled in there somewhere, and uh, they, they're kind of scraping at it. And if they had just dug like a little bit deeper, they would have struck gold. I think. Okay. So, uh, I guess I have to save the rest for for okay for like mid spoilers and then full spoilers. <laughs> no, I'll do full spoilers like as soon as we're because there's not sure. Yeah, Tim, what'd you think? Okay, here's what I'll say because I won't. But I I was I almost shut this movie off five minutes in. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, screw the podcast. Like I can't <laughs> physically deal with like ninety minutes of like a relationship movie. Right okay. Now. I will say stick with it because I found it pleasantly surprising after okay. those five minutes because I was I was very hungover. You were like, this. "God damn it, this is an Alex movie." <laughs> but I it's called the one I love, and it's about a relationship. <laughs> what the hell? Why would I agree to this? It's just like I couldn't like because it starts off yeah in a counseling room, and I'm like, "Oh <laughs> God, you poor." Perfectly well-off people. <laughs> <laughs> like, why can't you get along? Um, but yeah, uh, without spoiling anything, once the twist comes, it gets it got a lot more interesting for me. I'm with Nick. I think I liked it a little better, but it loses a ton of focus towards the end. I'll say that. I also stuck with it though after the twist because I like the two leads, and I think the two leads are really good in it. And uh, Ted Danson. What a what a silver fox dancing across the oh, screen is what he's doing. Well, I love Ted dancing. Um, always have Sam Malone. But <laughs> what else we got? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It it's it says a lot of it says some interesting stuff about kind of like dealing with your own insecurities and not letting them rule you. But it never really kind of I don't know. It's a Charlie Kaufman Spike Jones light movie to me. Like it's like diet, interesting diet. Spike Jones, interesting, and it's like knockoff diet. Spark. <laughs> it's like the Mister Pig. You were gonna, okay. It's like the RC Cola <laughs> diet. Yeah, see, like Nick thinks it's like the Myers or the Meyer or the Kroger knockoff, and yeah. I'm more like it might be Diet Pepsi. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like that's that's what I think. All right, all right. I will. I will say I, what Tim said about wanting to shut it off. A hundred percent. I was feeling the same way. I was like on my phone. And within within a few minutes. But I was only planning on watching about like 30 minutes of it last night. 45 because yeah. I was pretty tired. I couldn't stop watching. I, assumed, yeah. I assumed that would happen. I was like, yeah, he's still going like, watch 30 I was, minutes. I was like, I, I got pretty... I had to know how it ended. Okay. And so that that's a great strength of the movie. Yeah. For sure. I mean, the, the fact that it kept me going, oh, huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I honestly think this movie could end up on my top ten at the okay. end of the year. Um, it's I absolutely love the questions that it leaves me thinking about, like in terms of the movie. I know that I like I, I've said on this movie or on this podcast a lot of times that I like movies that make me think about myself, but this isn't even about that. It doesn't even like it doesn't quite get back to that. I love where I'm left standing at the end of this movie, and I'll get into more of that in, in the. Uh, in the actual spoilery section, but 
Absolutely. Mark Duplass is amazing. I love that this movie is... It's got at least a smart character reacting to a situation normally. Like, these people, they act like people in the situation. At least, for the most part. Where they are allowed to. And, and, and I love that, because that doesn't happen often. A lot of times in, like, movies with interesting premises like these, sometimes you just get people that don't react in ways that make any sense at all. And that's never fun for me to watch. But I love that about this movie. I think, um, I think it was really well shot. I enjoyed a lot of the shots. There were a lot of really beautiful, like scenery shots that were going on and just kind of how they were composed with who's in the frame and just what they were kind of showing in the background like I think I think there was a lot of really beautiful composition in this movie as well, so I think it'll be interesting to see where Charlie McDowell goes. But all in all, check out the movie. I think it's worth worth the seven dollars to check it out. Um, I think we all somewhat maybe ish recommend it. I recommend it more than the rest of you do. Yeah, I would. I mean, if you're in the mood. If he, you know, well, you I, can't really be in a mood for a movie that you don't really know, though. That's I, if if you're like I like Mark Duplass, and yeah, then maybe maybe just go ahead and do it. I think if you like stuff like Eternal Sunshine, okay, okay, it's a it's a you, brisk movie. Yeah, it is a brisk. It's, yeah, it and, it, and I will say I found it pleasant. I think pleasant is a nice word. Okay, for me. So right. if you want a pleasant movie. Alright, we will take a quick break and head right into spoiler Terry for the one hour. Alright, we're in spoiler Terry for the one I love. Nick. Thoughts? I... I'm just really bummed out that it turned into a Damon Lindelof movie at the end. And, like, there's just... What the hell? What? Wow. What yeah. Fair. Hell? Okay. What the... That's what Can I mean. get an idea? Uh, even just a... Give me a breadcrumb of, like, what exactly is causing this phenomenon. Is it... Are they... What? What, what are... What... Who's Ted Danson? What's the piano? <laughs> that's who that's, are they? That's what I... So, my... I, I love doing the legwork to try and make this movie make sense. Which is I, I don't mind I don't, a bit of legwork as long as you give me a no, path no, to no. walk on. There's the movie just stops, and there's nothing there to indicate. Like there's like there's weird little like tiny just kind of shoved in. Like oh, Mark Duplass runs upstairs and finds a computer with with audio files of these things trying to change their voices to sound like these people and Ted Danson coaching them. And well, what? The, why? How? And why? Neither of which are answered. No, they're not. Which is maddening. That's not, there's not. There's no story. There's no story in this movie. It's just two people encountering this thing, and then and then the ending. Mm. I think there's at least story in the sense of like you see these two people go into this into this situation. You've got you've got a beginning and a middle, but there's no end to the movie, in my mind. You've got, I mean, Mark Duplass gets out with Anne Elizabeth Moss. We don't know which one, really. <laughs> and it could go either way. And, and I thought that was kind of cheap at the end, too. I'm like, oh, they saw Inception and were like, that was a sweet ending. Let's put that in our movie. Except I got a be, totally different feel Except it'll that. be bacon instead of a top. I was just so <laughs> friggin' heartbroken at that last shot of him sitting on the bed being like, holy shit, I picked the wrong, I didn't pick my wife. But but did he not? And did he, he realize did. he didn't? He totally didn't. There's a lot of people made the he, bacon. There's a lot of people who think he did though. No way. Well, and the argument <laughs> no is way. that is that part of them like getting better as a couple and doing things for each other and not for themselves is that she's more open to like letting him be him and doing mm. this for him. She's she's the character in the movie that gets the short shrift in yeah. this movie. She and that's why I don't that's I think why the ending maybe isn't as clear is because I don't really know her character that well with him I get it and maybe that's just me all, all he but. said was you hate when I eat bacon not you're allergic to bacon and we can't have it in the house it was just you don't like when I eat bacon so I, when I when I saw the ending I thought oh wow it could be her just now being like I want to be a better wife you really love bacon I'll make a bacon once in a while 
And there's really no evidence to the contrary. And then the other thing is, if he's really so heartbroken, why does he go... And put his socks on and walk out of the room That's, and go eat his bacon. He's I just see, like, all right, I fuck it. I got bacon. I got a different read on him <laughs> on that one. And uh, I think there's a little bit more evidence to it, especially when when uh, fake Duplass runs into the barrier and he's on the ground and all three of them are just kind of standing there like, we need to go. And you've got the one... It's it's hard. You don't know. And I find that kind of beautiful because you know that the the... From what you understand, the copy moss does love fake Duplass. Mm. <laughs> I love the vocabulary that my brain is throwing at me right now. But you Duplass also, you, yeah, <laughs> okay. You also know, you also know that Moss Prime uh-huh. shows a lot more affection towards copy Duplass. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what call he makes there, and it's interesting for me to think about. Did the fake, or did, yeah, did the fake Moss just kind of cue in to, like, he doesn't know which one of us is which now, and here's my chance to be like, I can get out of this, because they know that only two of them can leave, and this is her chance to get out of there. I think, I, I love thinking about that. I love that idea. And I understand what you're saying. It doesn't, there's not, the it doesn't, there's no rules set up throughout the entire movie. Like, I, I have no idea what flies and doesn't. Because, like, okay, fake Duplass hits the barrier. Why does he hit the barrier, though? Because only two of them are allowed to leave. Okay. Only, but why isn't he the first one out the door, then? Because all four of them are outside of the premises. Isn't the barrier the premises? I mean, technically, yeah. So why didn't he run through it? I don't know. This is what I mean. <laughs> like, this is what bothers me. Like, why, why, why if fake Duplass hits the ground from the barrier, why does fake Moss get to go through then? Like, did, did he not want it bad enough? <laughs> no, my, 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 my thought of it was that there need to be two of them in, in the household. Because only two of them, she's like, only two of us are allowed to leave. So Especially they, because they can't, they can't. But then they can't even open the door to that little hut in like the guest house when two of right, them are right, in there. Right, 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 right. And then, you know what? And that rule was was set up nicely. I was like, okay, I get this yeah. now. I like the idea that you can just really quickly open the door at the same time, and yeah. it's okay. Like it was kind of kind of funny. But I, I don't know. I just I, I think that it fell it fell a little it tripped at the at the finish line. That's fair. I think I no. Think it's fair. And I was thinking the same thing. Once it gets to the end, I would have been better off with them not even going into any of why the doubles were there at any point. Like just so I didn't even have those questions because I didn't really. I, I would have just been happy if like the doubles had just tried to kill them and like take and then, like <laughs> and then escape or like I didn't want that, it to go. There. Something that made a little more sense. Cause, see, because the ending just is so. It, and, and maybe it's because Fake Moss wanted to stay that she doesn't go get to pass through the barrier. Like, maybe one has to consent to stay. That's why other Moss can get out. But both Duplasses want to leave, so they can't get out. Yeah. Maybe, but I didn't... I, didn't, I, I don't know. To make, to make me do the legwork like that, I've got to really enjoy the movie all along in order to... You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's, no, absolutely, absolutely. So I guess in the ending, I was just kind of like... And, like, one or two little mysteries I'd be okay with, but at the end, when they, like, drive to dance and, and he's just, everything's gone except <laughs> yeah. the piano. That'd be such a good movie. What the hell? And then... And then drive who, to dance. Drive to dance. Who is he? Like, what is, what is in it for See, him? That was my, yeah, my big yeah. thing. Because, like, at least with Eternal Sunshine, like, I figured out the motivations of the guy who created it. Yeah. Oops. What he created. With dancing, like, I have no idea, like, is he just kind of a dick? <laughs> like, does he just like dicking around with people? Like, what did they explain his motivations? Did I miss it? And why are photos already appearing? Yeah, it's just there's a lot of things that are just that just happen. See, the the my kind of let me tell you where I think how it all comes together. And I didn't, I didn't, I haven't gone through this with a fine tooth comb, but my you idea. You know, did Ted Danson? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Ted Danson's hair. Head. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but we get the idea, like, Fake Moss tells Duplass Prime that only two of them can leave. Mm-hmm. And the idea all along is that they've been trapping, like, each couple has trapped the next couple. That's what I got out of it. And by the time they get out of it, they're just like, holy crap, we're so happy to be out of here that we're this couple and we're happy and this is us. 
Now, how they get to actually be those people, you get into that little hut that has the computer in it and has all the files of them learning how to speak like the other people, and you've got the kind of like, basically Ted Danson's there taking every, like all of the information, like all the exercise that he does, they're like ideas and things that they need to kind of form those people to become the people that they're going to trick. So you're saying that the that fake Duplass and Moss are OG previous couple? Yes. Yeah. It gets trapped in there, and the, and so basically someone has to. Two people always have to be there, and Ted Danson's just like the, Ted Danson's like the devil. He's the somebody... twisted cousin of Jigsaw from the Saw movies, yep. who just wants to pull <laughs> relationships and yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like this idea. This is it's, but these are just like I love thinking like why why the heck is Ted Danson involved at all like what is the point of like who who is he to them and you don't know you have no idea but I'm just like to me it's like there's, he's this see, weird string puller that's like I'm gonna watch these people disintegrate this movie felt a lot like Time Crimes to me okay but Time Crimes is a ten out of ten and it it sets up its rules and it explains them and and everything from start to finish makes sense by the end of the movie and I appreciate a little bit of making me speculate a little bit at the end that's fun or have you know debates with my friends but you've got to you've got to set some rules and you've got to stick to them and you've got to explain them in order for the movie I think to really work and so while maybe the movie is like a fun it, it, sort of a fun exercise it feels very student filmy to me because it feels incomplete and I it's funny that you because you, you, you love or that you loved a lot of the direction and cinematography because I remember thinking the whole time it was really boring, <laughs> it was really boring. And then there was the one shot of her with like the sunset when she's going from house to guest house, mm-hmm. and it was like the pretty like Terrence Malick magic hour shot. But the previous shot and the following shot didn't look like that at all. And I was like, so they found like one moment when Elizabeth Moss was running to the shitter, and they were like, oh shit, film it. The sun's right there. <laughs> Put it in the movie. Like there was just nothing. There was no. Not a lot of consistency, and like a lot of the scenes, the scene when Duplass parks the car and then walks to do his little trick, looked really cheap. Like they, like all the lights went on that day, but they shot anyway. Just there were a lot of inconsistencies throughout it, technically, that bothered me. But uh, Duplass, though, I gotta gotta say, the biggest positive about the movie, he taking off glasses and going like this to his hair, and he could suddenly be a totally different character was so good. He was so good. I was like, man, all right. I'm I mourn the fact that he's not Ant Man even more now because <laughs> he's so awesome, and I love that he plays like this schlubby kind of shitty version of himself who looks kind of paunchier and like just it was awesome. Well, I like the different approaches that they take too because he's very much just like this is science right now. I'm figuring out what the hell is going on, and she's very much just like. I like him a lot more than I like you. So she goes and like just tries to like. Oh my god! The most bogus part of the movie to me was when uh, Fake Duplass goes reveals the big like. Oh, he slept with you instead of me. Yeah. And everyone's mad at him, and yeah. I was like, "What? You were gonna bang the other guy? How are you the one who's the good guy in this scenario? I'm sorry he tricked you into being faithful to your marriage. Like, what? It was really weird. I was like, how is anybody in the room like? He's the asshole. <laughs> like, it, I was just like, oh. Oh, that's when I wanted like at the beginning of the movie I liked her character a lot more and by the end I wanted her head on a stake in the front yard with Ted Danson just like dancing around it yeah I wish because she was they, such I, a I retard thought, yeah they, oh. I, they lost track with her character I thought really yeah, yeah because then, then she's like totally in love with the fake one and then the scene in the bathroom which is really good when he corners her and he, and he has this awesome scene finally where he finally like gets out how he feels about his wife and she looks like she's swayed by it she's like you know what you're right oh this is really fucking weird. Hold on, there are two duplicates of us running around here. Like, what? What? What were they putting in her water the whole movie? It was just it didn't make any sense. It's, it's yeah. very, you can, yeah, it's very <clears throat> male focused. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's it's a flaw, I think. I, no, that's that's it's very. It's not. It was very written fair. by an angry man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Malcolm McDowell's son is very yeah. upset. No, this was it was. Uh... Yeah, because she just turned into. Oh, was it written by somebody else? Okay. She yeah. just turned into like an irrational. Yeah, woman, it, like stereotype of a crazy woman. Yeah, like, it, I was like, this just got really <laughs> flat and boring. I will say, yeah, they, this is written by Justin Later. Okay. Okay. Well, so somebody else, but either way, yeah. doesn't mean Charlie McDonald was like, yeah, yeah, let's do this. 
Let's let's shit all over women. But I do think I mean, what is that? Because the leads are what got me through it too. They help. I mean, they're what yeah, helped me stick yeah. around. I do want to say because even though I didn't like Elizabeth Moss's character, I still like Elizabeth Moss, and I think they right. did a great like for just two people to be in a movie by themselves the whole time. Like have them be the only actors. In it, I thought it was very impressive, and yeah. she she was good because yeah. the two the two Elizabeth Mosses were very different. Yes, mm-hmm. and she did a good job. It was just the way they the way they made her character just devolve into this sad girl with a weird crush who like, just this only, guy is my husband, but he's saying everything that I've always wanted him to say. Well, and the sad thing is that like why why was she like the only thing I got at the end of the movie was that Mark Duplass was still in the marriage and going to counseling because he actually wanted it to work mm-hmm. and I think she was only doing it all along just to keep him on the hook and keep him under her thumb and feeling guilty so she could feel better about herself because like she just keeps there. there's several points throughout the movie where he's like I thought we were trying to get over this that was years ago like kind of thing like he he seems like the one who is actually uh, interest, genuinely interested in in fixing their marriage for the right reasons. And she, by the end of the but movie, but at the same at the same time, she's the one that like she's the one that was wronged. Like he cheated on her, and so that's very totally much- fine. Then divorce him and move on with your life. That's the answer. Mm. Like I think the only reason she's still with him is just to make herself feel better by making him feel guilty, just by turning the screw on him. Because he, there was one line in particular that I got, maybe I wrote it down. I think I to, to me, that's more of like a, I don't know, from like a human standpoint, it's not, sometimes you need to be ready to move on and you're not. And maybe she truly loves him, but is still very angry at him for what happened. And then you're kind of at a standstill. And that, to me, doesn't just say, okay, we need to get a divorce. That means I need to figure out a way. But that's the thing is that not everybody's fully developed enough to realize that they need to figure out what they want. I think based on based on the way her character defaulted to her behavior that she ended up exhibiting throughout the movie just reinforced my theory that she doesn't really want it to work because she loves him. She wants it to work so she has some control now, so she can get back at him. It's a revenge ploy at this point. And I think maybe she does still like kind of care about him, obviously, because like, they go together and they do have a few little flickers of like fun, but... I mean, even just the way the movie ends, if she doesn't leave with him anyway, that just kind of proves that she doesn't want him. She wants someone to take care of her at this point. That's how she... And that's... I, ultimately, that might be true. But I don't... I don't I don't know. I don't feel like we have... We have insufficient data to, like, figure out why she was in the marriage still. I don't think we have that full data set yeah, to be that, like... that's what I meant with her being underdeveloped, too. Yeah. I mean, they draw... They, they, yeah, I didn't, I didn't read it like that, but, I mean... Okay, I wish I had written down the exact... There was one exact line or exact exchange where I was like... Because I thought the... Yeah. deal? Like, you either, <laughs> either try, like, try more... Well, the idea was they were... What, what was the line at the beginning? They were trying to chase the moment in the pool for the rest. Trying to recreate the... Yeah, recreate, recreate the moment in the pool, yeah. and I thought the idea was like, you're never gonna, you can't keep trying to recreate that moment every day of your life. Like sometimes you just gotta be, like sometimes you just gotta settle. No, <laughs> this is like the Tim Long, the Tim Long level. Sometimes you just gotta give up. <laughs> Tim Long's guide to love. Just, just lie down and accept your fate. Just recognize that you know what? If you don't want to be alone, you gotta deal with the fact that the other person's an asshole. <laughs> so, no, I don't know. Um, it just yeah. I, don't know. I thought that's yeah, and I thought maybe that's that was kind of what they were going for. Is you kind of just have to accept the person for who they are and love them anyway, and <laughs> all that other stuff. But it was nice. It was pleasant. It's a nice thought. <laughs> so, I, think it's, I, think I have no the, deep readings on this movie. This is the case of three different three people with three different views, on right? The way it goes anyway, and that's just how yeah. life works out. But. <laughs> No, I, th- I, you know, it's that's fair. I think depending on how they would have like written this, like if we would know more about that situation, then it's entirely possible that. I think if you watch it again with with that in your mindset, you might see a little bit more of what I'm saying. Because even now, I'm just thinking of the way, even just the way she reacts to the double. 
she's like so into his physicality and see but that's it wasn't so much the physicality it was more the the confidence in the fact that he was i mean that he was secure in himself like a lot of i thought a lot of this movie was about his insecurity as a person because he's he's a man child basically throughout it and she recognizes that there's a part of him that's confident and mature and loving and caring but it never really comes out until he's the other person that's kind of what i saw with that see and that's the thing is that it's I, you're thinking of it as like she's just like here's this dude that is everything that I want when in fact it's her being like this is the version of my husband that I fell in love with yeah it's not because the, the me, moment it's in, not that's a the moment in the pool. divorced of like these are two different people to her this is just like she walks out that door and her husband is a different person than when she's inside the door yeah that's how I felt about it no and I think that that's how she feels. But that, that that's what's weird is because they are different people. They're not the same person. And that's that is a different being in there that's clearly a foreign And that's yeah, I think body. that might be a problem with that is you never get to see the you never get to see the two side by side until side by later side. in the movie. Until yeah. But even in the end there, that's when she's like she's like devoting all of her attention to him. Clearly she's kind of like you know, at that point in the movie she's spent more time with the double than she has with Duplass Prime. And it's and it's it's weird because at the end he doesn't really he just wants to get out like he he's like oh he wants I, to survive the situation I love you and and the, the other and the double of Elizabeth Moss is like oh he fell in love with her but at the end he's ready to ditch her he just wants to get the hell out of Dodge and I was like oh that's interesting he doesn't actually love her when real real plus does yeah yeah I don't know that, and that's that's the thing is that it's essentially like well I don't know. It's hard because the, when when they're all in the bedroom and that's when Duplass is just kind of like f all of you, I'm getting out of here. Yeah, that's very much like where he's his turning point of like, okay, I tricked her into loving me. This is my opportunity to get. He the hell says, out. "I'm gonna fuck you all." Then or something yeah. like that. Yeah, like, he thinks he's that's gonna... true. That's true. Yeah, it's it's a weird movie. <laughs> <laughs> the opening scene was awesome. Though. I'm glad you brought that up. That was really cool. That was that was a great line to kind of kick off the movie. Was mm-hmm. that we just sort of recreate the moment, and I was like, oh, that's sad. No, I I wish you guys would have liked it more, but I like having the differing conversations because we're like, I think this is one of those movies where like 10 people could watch it and all have completely different opinions on how it ended up. Oh, I'm sure there'd be people that would hate it. Just hate it. Totally. But I love, this is one of those movies that had me the feeling of like, I, it's not so much that. I don't watch a lot of movies to try and figure them out, but when you have a movie like this, it's hard for you to not sit there and be like, what the hell is going on, and where do I think this is going? Like, I was wondering if there was going to be a point when she tells him only two of us can get out. I was like, are the two Duplasses going to get out, and the two Mosses are left behind, or vice versa? Like, is he going to be like, we need to let the two win? Like, I, I didn't know where it was going to end up there, and I thought that was really cool. The Dupli. The Duplai. Is that for all? Duplassies. Duplassies. The Duplos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. It's... Yeah, yeah. It's an experience. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Like, like I said, it kept me up. So that was that was interesting. I was really tired. And I thought for sure, I was like, yeah, I'll watch half an hour now and catch the rest tomorrow. And I... I Sitting up on the couch, just kind of going. I have to know where this goes. I liked the Twilight movie, the Twilight Zone movie you described, where like it's people trying to get out and like yeah take other people in. I just that's the vibe that I like. I was like, shit, this is really Twilight Zone. That's what I was thinking. If, that had been, I was if, if the plot had been that simple, just like two people, two will come in, but only two others can leave. Like I, that would have been. I would have preferred that in the end. I think to, to something a little more straightforward. But that all, I don't. I don't feel like you would have. You would have stayed up. I don't think. I think you would have turned that off thirty minutes in and then watched the rest of it the next day. I don't think it had the hook. I don't think that would have hooked you the way that this one did. No, that it would have because the hook was. The, it just would have to be revealed in the third act. That's all as to what the I point still, was. Yeah, I, still I, I, I liked the idea when. But I, feel I mean, like we, that's we don't even know. We don't revealed. even know until the third act, though, that there are act, that they're actually physical beings. Yeah. Like I thought up until the, they're all four in the same room. I thought they might just be a manifestation of their brains because yeah. also, what, what, what do they have? Like spider traps every two feet in the floor. They could just go. Oh shit! They come in. Then like hide. Like where do they? How do they disappear and reappear so quickly? That's well, a lot of the times they were on like the other side of the house, like they were upstairs and the other one wasn't. 
I guess that just seems it's like so they're they're permanently in the back of the house until someone comes home. Like they, I don't know. It's it's weird. And then it's their job to trick these people and get out of there. I guess. So you're gonna be like, okay, I gotta go stand in a closet was, for 36 it, hours. It bothered <laughs> me that, that it bothered me that Duplass Prime could look in the window and see them sitting there. Yeah. Like I was like, why? Why? Why is she not like going? Oh yeah. This is bizarre. Like, yeah. I I, th- I expected him to look in the window and it should just to be empty or like or or just black. He couldn't yeah. see inside, kind of. Thing. Or it's just her standing there, like right. And that would have been that would have been interesting. But you really only get. I'd have to watch it again, but I feel like you get it that one time, like after they discuss. Okay, we're not going to snoop on each other. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, they're good to be like, okay, we're going to close all the curtains because by function, they don't want to have to deal with filming the shot. Twice with Duplass on one side of the glass and Duplass on the other side of the glass. Like, they're pretty careful to make sure that that circumstance only happens in very controlled environments. You mean seeing... Seeing two on the screen at once. Seeing, seeing the double and the original on screen at once. What, how are you related to what I said? Because you, you don't, you're wondering why she doesn't see, like, she doesn't have to deal with the fact that they're both there at once. Because mostly it's just him looking in and seeing her. Yeah. And then she sees him for a split second and he goes away. Right. And then there's not much more in terms of playing with them seeing each other doing these things. Oh, I'm just saying for, for the function of the story, it's weird that it doesn't snap her out of it and go, oh, this is bizarre that, I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. I guess it just bothered me that they that they were so different in their reactions. He was like, "This is insane! Like, this is really bizarre and abnormal." And she's like, totally seduced by the whole thing. Like, oh, it's wonderful. But and it's magical. In in the same vein, if we think about it, she only what he's there to be with her and to reconnect, mm-hmm. and all she wants is to hear why things happen the way that they happen. Like, all she wants is to hear the things that this other Duplass is going to say or to even to get out of there. Yeah. Or like, to even have him see the way she sees him. At, you know what I mean? I guess that's what's so sad to me. <laughs> yeah. She literally is I can't there. keep the Duplass the Duplo straight right now. But, like, I'm not even going to explain that point. You guys keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to keep going too much longer. But I just... I don't know. I, li- I like I like talking about movies like this. I feel like there's a lot of room to interpret. And sometimes there's some movies that just completely fall on their face. Like, I know I've brought up a movie before that was like, I didn't want to invest what I needed to do. Because it's been something like... Transformers 4. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. No, I don't think you could invest anything and get anything Speaking out of Speaking of Prime. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Anyway, final thoughts? Nothing? I think we got all our thoughts out. All right. Uh, follow us on Twitter at MFN Podcast. We're also on. Uh, oh, don't go to this on a first date. Yeah, that's a good idea. No, yeah. that would be horrible. <laughs> <clears throat> definitely, definitely. I thought about that. Yeah, this is not because you see it and the what I love, you think, oh, it's like you're like, oh, it's a cute man. It's yeah. like the song, or maybe. If you stick together after that first date, maybe right. it's a good sign. Right. Maybe. Go see it all. Go see it. Like, test test yourself. And then, maybe. Then go see Transformers 4. Yep. <laughs> and then if she likes that one, then break up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Anyway, uh, like I said, Twitter and Instagram at MFM Podcast. Search for Midwest Film Nerds Podcast on Facebook. Go to MidwestFilmNerds.com to find all of our previous episodes and show notes for each episode. Uh, give us a call two four eight seven three three five MFN, which is two four eight seven three three five six three six, and email us some feedback. Let us know what you thought of the movie, or what you think of the podcast, or what album you would bring to film, or what you think James Cameron could have directed but didn't direct in nineteen ninety one. All those good things. Feedback at midwestfilmnerds dot com. That's where to let us know. Next week, I don't know what we're doing. What comes know, out? I have no idea. I'm not even going to look it up. I'm not even going to need the time to look it up. (laughs) Comics, why? Go watch a movie.